Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Welcome again. I am Ben. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, it's great to be back. But didn't Pastor uh, Shane do a great job last weekend? He, he, he's doing, he did better than you're clapping right now. I want you to know that. Uh, I listened to the message. It was really good. Uh, this, this week uh, is, of course, Thanksgiving week, and we, on Thursday, how many of you are looking forward to, uh, it's, one, it's one of the few times a year that we celebrate gluttony, and uh, so we are going to overeat on, uh, on Thursday. Hopefully, you're looking forward to that and have some great people uh, to share that season with. And I was thinking about that as I was thinking about our topic for this morning. And by the way, I'm going to more teach than preach this morning. If you've been around here, you'll say, hey, Ben's teaching a little different style uh, as, uh, as I head into our topic. But, but I was thinking about how it's okay every once in a while to, to just, you know, sort of splurge and, and do that thing. But if it was a lifestyle, it could be unhealthy. Uh, for me, uh, I struggled, have struggled with my weight for years. Right now, I'm doing a little better. Sometimes I'm not doing worse. Because normally, I only overeat during the holidays, which for me, I think starts Labor Day, ends Memorial Day, right? <laughs> Those are the holidays. And uh, so it's been reorienting my thinking uh, around this. And so what I want to do today is we're in this series, Thriving. We've talked about what it means to thrive emotionally, thrive spiritually, a time with God. And today is going to be very practical as we look at thriving uh, financially. Now, now, as I say that, I, I don't know your circumstance. Uh, you may say, hey, I have a lot of resources. I may not have much. I know uh, over the weekend with thousands of people on the Timberlake campuses, that there's going to be different situations, but the principles are really the same, and they're life-giving. God uh, wants uh, the absolute best for you. Uh, I, now, some of you come from a church background where this can be an uncomfortable conversation. If you've been around here, you know sort of how we go through this and really uh, just encourage you and teach you and then have you uh, really listen to God and apply the principles. But for any of you uh, who are, this is uncomfortable, I want to break the ice a little bit. So why don't you uh, just turn to uh, the person next to you and tell them your income before and after taxes. Uh, yeah. I just thought, hey, if we're going to drive this baby off the cliff, why not go all the way? Uh, and any of you who did that need a filter. So the, uh, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Uh, the Bible said, this is why this is an important topic spiritually. Every once in a while, look at it, uh, if I teach on this, and I actually don't teach on it very much for a pastor. Uh, and it's not because I don't think it's important. I really do. Uh, uh, but, it, you know, this isn't very spiritual. Really, Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven, hell, and prayer all combined. So evidently it was important to him, and I, I think you cannot be a biblical uh, speaker or preacher uh, unless you do it, because it you have to cut out 300 references. Uh, so, but what does it mean? Why is this important? Uh, it's interesting. It's not why you might think it's important. 
Uh, yes, part of it's God's funding, king, uh, funding God's kingdom work. Part of it is having freedom. But the biggest part has to do with your heart and my heart. In fact, Jesus, he, he put it really clearly in Matthew 6, 21. Uh, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we, we know that that's why this is a spiritual issue, because it's about our heart and how it's positioned. Uh, because if we look at life, what are the two areas that uh, people often struggle in? It's sexuality and it's finances. And those areas combined, Jesus would actually put finances above uh, sexuality issues, would say is going to be the, the God, the competitor uh, for God's plan for your life. In the Bible there, uh, in the newer part of the Bible, there's 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus. These are known as the pastoral epistles. It, it simply means that they're written to Christian leaders, and they're instructing leaders not only how to live, uh, but also how to teach others. And so I thought this would be a, a great passage, and I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to dissect this passage uh, as we look at this scripture uh, together. It, says, it starts out this way. If you don't have your outline, go ahead and take that uh, out. This is going to be a great weekend if you're not a note taker to maybe go ahead and take notes and you can look at it when you get home. It says, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Now, by the way, this is where most of us check out, right? Okay, I'm not rich. And, uh, and you've heard all the thing. And sometimes people will use this as a guilt thing. And I, I'm, I just don't think that's wise nor biblical, uh, uh, saying, well, everyone here is rich, which from an, a world perspective, absolutely true. A absolutely true. If you're the poorest person at Timberlake, from a global perspective, you're among uh, the wealthier people in the world. But here's a, here's a problem. It's not even the amount of money that we have. It's I don't often feel rich. How many of you walked in today and said, you know what? Today I feel rich. Uh, in fact, uh, my wife, uh, she has a great job at Microsoft. We've saved over the years and planned and, and, and invested, even with not a lot of uh, money. And so uh, at this point in my life, you would think that we would feel richer. But you know what happens is that on my way home, often when I'm in downtown Redmond, I drive on East Lake Sammamish Parkway. And you know what I feel? I feel like I hate my life. <laughs> you know, what's the matter? Poor me, you know? Should be taking care of their pastor. And so, <laughs> uh, and then, okay, let's say I had a home on the water. I would still feel dissatisfied. Do you know why? And, and I don't know if this is you because there's a lot of people, I, I know many of you, there's some I don't know, because there's one home in particular that I drive along East Lake Sammamish Parkway that I see. Not only is it on the water, it has a huge green lawn. You know the one I'm talking about? And a helicopter. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I need a helicopter. <laughs> and I will not feel rich until I have a helicopter. But yeah, okay, now I'm having a lot of fun, and you've thought the same thing too. And, and we'll do that, and we feel dissatisfied. And even though some of you, God has blessed you, and, and you don't have that joy. Uh, and God wants that for you. 
because he, he says, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. He says, but put your hope in God. And now look at this, who richly provides for us everything for our what? Enjoyment. Some of you were raised in a spiritual environment. You didn't even know you could be happy with your stuff. You know, that's God's plan. Uh, as I've said before, sometimes people will take uh, philosophies from other religions and worldviews, uh, mostly Eastern, Eastern you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, that kind of thing, where oftentimes the material is looked as a negative and say, oh, that's what Christianity is. Now, it's actually quite the opposite. There's that, that God, that in this life, in the next life, which is real, He blesses us. But in this life, no matter how much li or how little, that God gives us that for our enjoyment. And then there's also, look at what it says, it says, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves and a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. And here's what I don't want to get in that statement, that, okay, I, I need to give or I don't get into heaven. That's not what it says. Is saying that uh, God has blessed you, and you're going to get to see a little bit of heaven before you get there when you operate according to the, his principles in a very practical area of our life. So, so if you'll allow me, let me just go through this passage. And as I said, I really just want to uh, teach through uh, this passage today as uh, we consider what money is. Well, money is, a, the passage, it is a potential problem. Uh, it says not to be arrogant or to put your hope in wealth. By the way, I don't, I don't see that a lot. Uh, I know that there's a caricature, and unfortunately, sometimes by even pastors that people are, there, there are some arrogant people. Very few are. Most of us are like, hey, I understand. I, was, uh, I live in this country. I live in this community. I was raised in this family. God gave me this intellect, and he gave me these skills. And now I've stewarded in them well, but if you put me in another culture, in another family with a different background and different capabilities, my life would look different. Uh, see, we see that money is also a blessing, that God has provided everything richly for our enjoyment. Uh, and then every once in a while we get these special blessings. My uh, wife and I was speaking down, I do this every year for a friend of mine down in Portland, Oregon. And uh, we go down there, and part of it is, yes, I want to help my friend out at that church. But there's another reason I like to go to Oregon around the holidays. Do you know why? No sales tax, right? Yeah, so they, uh, I love the no sales tax kind of shopping. And then I have a friend of mine who, uh, one of the, he's designed over half the Air Jordans. He works for Nike. He's one of the original employees. Uh, and if you work for Nike, uh, you can bring people into the Nike store. The Nike store is not an outlet store. It's where the newest, best stuff is. And you get a certain number of passes every year uh, that you can give out to people. And not only is there no sales tax, there's 40% off. And yeah, no, it's awesome. But now the question is, how do you, when someone has given this to you in the past, uh, I feel uncomfortable asking him. And so I said, Jesus, speak to him. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I hinted like, whoa, my shoes are bad. No, the, uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he did contact me when he found out I was speaking down there. And he says, I have one pass left. Do you want it? 
Actually, he said, I have one. And I said, yes. <laughs> That's how far it got. And so I, I, I got this pass and we uh, did it. Someone said, did you do a lot of shopping? Well, let me tell you, the offering better be good. To, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't get paid on commission. Some of you are, I'm just fulfilling every negative stereotype you had. <laughs> Uh, this is called stream of consciousness. <laughs> so, uh, but seriously, in all seriousness, uh, what a blessing. And I, I think when we can see that blessing, uh, we're so much happier in life. Uh, it's also sacred trust. It's in, we, we see this, we'll see this uh, in the parable of the talents in the Bible. If you're, now, I wasn't a Bible person. I learned this later on. The parable of the talents has nothing to do with giftedness. It's actually about money. It was a measure of money. And it's not how much you have. It's what you do with what you've got and how you steward that. See, money is a means to an end. Uh, this is true because the, uh, someone, I, I forgot where the quote I got this from. And uh, it, they were asking this about, I think it was J. Paul Getty, who was the richest man in the world uh, at the time. And someone asked, how much, of his, uh, how much did he leave? And someone answered, all of it. When you die, guess how much of your money you leave? All of it. So there's, we understand that it's something that I use in this life for uh, God's blessing and plan and purposes, but also there's something else that's involved, and that's an opportunity, is that there's an opportunity for my family, uh, there's an opportunity for you to uh, invest in your children's future, there's an opportunity for, and it's not just your money, it's the stuff you have with money. I know that some of you open up your homes uh, to people. You have, I mean, you let junior hires come to your house. And you, you know, and they, they trash it a little bit. But, uh, but you do that because you're saying, hey, hey, God, this is available to you. And so there's an opportunity for personal and for spiritual impact when it comes uh, to finances. And so what I, what I want to do is uh, really look at what the Bible says again. Uh, it's sort of interesting that oftentimes we go with our own best guess and we'll, we'll say, I, I care what the Bible says for my prayer life, for my relationships, for my eternity. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about finances. So how can we take the complex reality of finances and simple steps to not only live according to God's plan, and you're saying, oh, giving, yeah, that's part of it, but that's not the whole part, that's not even the major part. It's just in all these aspects of my life, how can I have a freedom that when people look at me, no matter how much or how little I have, they'll say, that person has joy. It's, it, and it's because we have this, this mastery over it, uh, over the complexity. So what's the, one of the first principles that we learn in the Scripture? One is to reject guilt. I talked about that. And the second one is to reduce debt. Those are two, two opposite ends of the spectrum that can steal our joy. Two enemies of joy and any prosperity God has given us are guilt, and maybe we would even use the word greed. It says, Ecclesiastes 5.19, Solomon, the wealthiest man who ever lived, says, moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions, 
and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. Will you underline that? That's a gift from God. And that we would dishonor God by not saying, God, thank you. Thank you for that. It's about contentment. So, uh, now, contentment goes to the other end of the spectrum, too, doesn't it? How, well, let me ask you this question. How many of you have suddenly needed something you didn't know existed 10 minutes earlier? Or I should say, how many of you have ever been to a store called Costco? Uh, yeah, I love Costco. I love Costco. I'm like, hey, I need that. And, uh, you know, that's fine to an extent. But we need, when we leverage our life financially, we get into trouble. It says Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, now this is, again, where from, a, from an economic perspective, there, there are some, in Christian circles, there are some who said, uh, you should never have any debt. I don't really think that this is what this is talking about. Uh, there are debts on appreciating assets, like houses and those kind of things. That's, I would describe that more as an investment. But when you're borrowing for a depreciating asset, that's, that's a harder, more difficult thing. And I know that some of you think, I, I'm from another planet. How can you actually live? Uh, but I, I got to tell you that if you walk into a store, it's freaky. They will still let you pay cash for stuff. They really will. And so, uh, some of you didn't, that was much funnier than you responded to that. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. In my heart, I know Jesus laughed for me. <laughs> the, uh, uh, but the, the truth is, is that we can have freedom and we can have the opposite. There was a couple in, not in this church, in church I pastored before, and a uh, great, great couple. They, they both, they really wanted to follow Jesus. And they just bought into some faulty thinking around finances. And, and you know, they bought into the dream. When they, when, when they got married, it's like, hey, we're going to... And their parents didn't have a lot of money, and neither did they. They, they really... Uh, they had good jobs, but on the lower pain spectrum. And, but they said, hey, we have to have this remarkable honeymoon. And then went to Greece and Italy and all of that. And she's like, I wanted a big diamond. And so got a really big beautiful diamond, and it was a wonderful experience except for the fact that they spent the next years struggling through that. And honestly, it wasn't successful. Literally over financial issues, their marriage ended. And uh, research will show that finances and sexual issues are the number two reasons, uh, the top two, that uh, really get in the way of a healthy marriage relationship and can often lead to divorce. And so I, I'm not uh, standing up on a pedestal uh, acting like I have it all together. I am saying I want God's best for you. I don't want you to be in bondage in this area. And here's a great thing about here. If you know about Timberlake, we have a low shame level, which means if this hasn't been an area of success for you, that it can be in the future. Get, we've had hundreds of people. In fact, on the connection card, I, I don't know if I brought one up, but the, uh, uh, on the back of it, and I'm going to refer to that today, is it, it says Financial Peace. That we have, uh, Financial Peace University, hundreds of people, I talked to a couple after the Saturday night service, they said we were in, in debt, we not only, and this is a young couple, uh, have good jobs, but not 
uh, some of the, neither in the technology industry, but, you know, just good sort of uh, middle-class jobs. And not only did they com completely get out of their de debt, two months ago they paid off their home on the east side. Now, that still seems impossible to me. And very, very interesting, and my guess is uh, their income is good, but probably would maybe even be slightly below the average that's in our church. And that can happen. It's those decisions, if you're dating, it's those decisions early on you make about finance. My wife and I, we have disagreed about a lot of things, but I think one of the, one of the things we did get right was early on we decided how we were going to deal with money, that we were never going to have any consumer debt. And when we got married, our wedding was the opposite of the one that you, uh, I just told you about. In fact, we got married in Redmond, Washington. I was pastor, uh, uh, a college pastor at a large church up here at the time, uh, and not a great place for a wedding because it was such a large auditorium. And so I got married at the building of the Redmond United Methodist Church, and uh, we, we had a great wedding. We enjoyed it. We had an amazing reception. We had cold cuts in the basement. It was awesome. And, uh, and then we did that. And then, uh, have, you ever, like, have you ever seen my wife's ring? Not many people have that good a vision. So I just was wondering uh, if you were. But someday, I'm going to buy her a rock so big, and you, and you judge me for it, I don't even care. It's going to be, now, she'll probably be too old to lift her hand at that point. But, uh, but, but we made some decisions. And uh, one of the decisions was, hey, buy a home. And, and uh, that has, you know, as those have appreciated, you can make great decisions to start out, or even if you're mid-course. And God can give you freedom in that aspect of your life. See, oftentimes, though, we'll do what my wife and I did. Now, this is something else we don't do well. We're driving down to Oregon, and it was raining super hard that weekend. And we have a, a new car, new to us, a couple years old, a, a new car. And as we were driving down, and the rain was uh, pouring down, uh, one of the windshield wipers, not the wiper, but the whole arm, flew off the car. And literally, so sheets of rain, I couldn't see when it was with the wiper, now I can't see at all. And so, but we, do you know what we did to solve the problem? We started blaming each other. And li literally, we're like, okay, stupidest thing in the world. And then finally, we're like, we're getting nowhere. We need to go to a Nissan dealership and say, hey, this was not good. And so uh, uh, we, we did that and we got the car fixed. And it, blaming each other is often when it comes to finances is what couples do and it will never solve any problems. It will, it will make your pain greater, deeper, and longer. Move from today and say, how can we get better in this area of our life? Here's another principle that I think is important. And especially if you've had any financial success is to, to impart your values. Uh, oftentimes we'll impart our values when it comes to who Jesus is, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to all that. Uh, we take this verse, Proverbs 22, 6. It says, start children off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. But we don't apply it to financial resources. If you've uh, 
uh, read, and I'm sure you have, there's uh, one book I was reading on, on family-owned businesses, and they said generationally, here's what usually happens. It, now, it may not happen in yours, hopefully it doesn't if you have a family-owned business, is there's the person who starts it, first generation, second generation runs it, and third generation usually ruins it. And no, literally, by the third generation, they're usually gone. And so the goal is to give kids as many first-generation experiences as you can. See, the ones who are successful do that. They help them to find success. They don't uh, rescue too quickly. They don't reward too frequently. And they learn to model well. As, as I think about that, I was thinking about my wife and I. We were, uh, uh, we were taking stock in how we were raising our kids at one point. And we realized that we had done a poor job in this area. And so we weren't modeling well. One of our daughters was in late elementary and one was in junior high. And we realized that we had set them up for financial failure by not helping them uh, to learn how to handle money well. And so we, said, we just sat them down and said, hey, there's going to be some new rules around money. And do you know what? They said, thank you, mom and dad. No, they didn't say that at all. Uh, they're like, what happened? You're not fair. Everyone else. And so what we did is we started giving them an amount of money, not only an allowance, but even more than that, that would cover all their expenses and clothes and all of that. It was a decent sum of money, but they had to manage that, which was uh, our daughters are uh, the opposite. It was easy for one, hard for the other, because one daughter is a saver, saver the other one is a sinner. And so they had a difficult time uh, managing uh, that. And so our, one of our daughters, the saver, uh, literally, we had this rule. We would go out to eat as a family. We pay for it. But if you just want to stop by McDonald's, then you have to pay for it out of that money you have. And so uh, I'd say, hey, let's go out to eat. And she'd, she'd go, who's paying for it? And uh, uh, I, I kid you not, and this kid still today has a, a stash of cash uh, from that period of time. Our other daughter would run out of money, and she learned, hey, it would be good to plan. So I just say for those of you who are great in this area, don't be stingy with your kids, but help them to have those experiences where they can manage this area of their life well to where it doesn't become a problem later on. And then the third aspect the Bible talks about this is to plan your giving. Uh, plan your generosity. See, the, here, here's one thing that I believe. Uh, I'll hear this every once in a while. People are stingy. I do not believe that at all. Almost everyone I know desires to be generous. Very few people I know uh, are really selfish people. Al almost no one. But the problem is, is that we don't have a plan around our generosity, and so we don't do things and we feel guilty and all of that. We'll plan our retirement, we'll plan our career, we'll plan our vacation, we'll plan how we raise kids, but we don't follow the biblical principle. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should uh, give what you've decided in your heart to give. And now get this, not reluctantly or under compulsion, don't let anyone manipulate you, don't be stingy. For God loves a cheerful giver. And so the idea for those of us is that we would respond, because otherwise what's going to happen is you're going to be watching TV during the holidays, and whoever has the best commercial is going to be, you know, like the SPCA. Those are the ones that always get me. 
I'm like, I got to save that cat. And, uh, and that's fine if you want, but don't, don't let that decide in advance. Use the intellect God has given you, and then you're not going to ever feel guilty about it. You know, I, I, I will drive down, and, and my heart has compassion for people who are homeless. I don't feel guilty about it. Really? You don't feel guilty? No, because I, I, I have a plan for how I spend my money to invest and help people. Because there's also books on when helping is actually hurting. That, that there's been tons of studies on that. And so we plan our giving. Now, uh, the Bible talks about where uh, we give. If you're a Christ follower, uh, the, your place of worship. If this is it, this would be here. If you go to another church and you're just visiting, you need to be faithful at that that church. And so, just as we, we start a process in every area of our life, uh, I, I encourage you to do that with this. And, and we've used this before. I've actually, it's from Nelson Searcy, who, who wrote this book called The Generosity Ladder, is uh, that we, uh, we have, do we have all four of those on there, guys? I guess we don't. So, if we can get a, a new slide on that one, get all four. Okay, I'll just make it up. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so, uh, uh, what, what we have is, uh, you can go ahead and take the slide down on that one. I don't think we're centered on that one. Uh, so, here, here's four areas. Oh, there we are. There we are. That one's perfect. So, you have, uh, if you're a first-time giver, you can see that over on the screen. You say, hey, Ben, I've never really invested in God's work before. Don't feel bad about what you haven't do. Say, I'm going to start that process. Now, I always encourage you to do this electronically. Uh, because I don't know about you, I haven't carried checks around for a, a decade, uh, that you do it through the mobile giving app or online or something like that, and you just start. Just start somewhere. It's just like a diet. What do you got? You got to start somewhere. But this is what the Bible talks about more than anything, is about being, you can go ahead and leave that up, is uh, being intentional, that we would be an intentional uh, giver. And this is where we say, I'm going to set aside a certain amount for my income and regularly invest. And for some of you, as we head in the holiday season, this is, this is going to be an area where you're going to start and say, I'm going to just do that. I'm going to automate it. I automate it because I forget. We know how much money we're going to make every month. Uh, and so we do that. And then it, maybe you say, I'm already an intentional giver, but I've never done that whole thing where I'm a percentage giver. Uh, and the Bible talks about a tithe, giving your first 10% to the Lord. You'd say, hey, that's a, that's a big step for me. Well, take whatever your step is and say, I'm going to figure out what I make and give a percentage to the Lord. Maybe it's 3 or 5 or 10, or maybe it's even more, and that's what an extravagant giver would be. Uh, my wife and I, and by the way, this has been true of us when we were uh, making very little money, when we were had, you know, all four of us on less than $30,000 a year we were living, is that we would give our first 10% to the Lord, but then we would also invest in God's kingdom work elsewhere. And you say, well, what should I do? You should listen to God and do what He says. Whatever your step is, just take your next right step, and then God will show up in that area. We say, well, why do I do that? It really gets to this point. It's making a difference. It says in 2 Corinthians 9-11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your gener generosity will result in what? 
Thank, let's go ahead. Will result in what? Thanksgiving to God. See, there's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is to make an impact. I was reminded just this week, I was reminded last night, after I was Saturday night service, uh, a man uh, who was with his kids and gone through a painful divorce and uh, in a situation where he could have been bitter. And he said, I was bitter. And through the ministry of the church, I came back to God and went through divorce care and found healing. And even though things aren't perfect, I'm okay. I was reminded last week after I was at the launch meeting for our Snoqualmie North Bend campus and someone sent me a note said, thank you for creating space for people like me who didn't come from a religious environment where we can learn the Bible and have a relationship with God. See, that's the eternal impact. And uh, I was reminded as I heard uh, Liang's story how uh, coming from a, a culture and a family where God wasn't part of the picture, but because you gave, because you invested, because you created, you served, you created an atmosphere and a place, that God is working in his life. And I, and I thought, uh, as I heard his story, I wanted you to hear his story as well. Take a look at this. Uh, my name is Liang. I have been uh, coming to Timberlake Church for uh, about a year and a half. So I came from originally from China, uh, around uh, 99. And uh, I came here for school. Uh, I started in high school, and then I went into my college, graduated in the United States, and uh, started working uh, and, uh, for uh, more than a decade now. I didn't grow up in a religious uh, environment, um, and my family wasn't religious, I, I wasn't religious, uh, and uh, my parents were not religious, so I didn't know what was right for me. My, my wife and I met uh, in 2010 in Seattle during one of the uh, Chinese traditional festival. Uh, both me and my wife works, and my two children are three and a half and one and a half. My daughter comes to uh, Timberlake Church uh, preschool. Uh, that I had the chance to actually know people from the church and uh, to know the communities here where I started to have the opportunity to learn more about Jesus Christ. My first weekend come to Timberlake Church for service, and I was surprised about how, um, how casual uh, and how uh, relaxing the environments were, how Pastor Ben was able to resonate uh, real-life uh, experience, real-life story with um, the teachings and Bible. In uh, this year in August, um, I signed up for the uh, Mexico um, missions trip to help the poor to build houses uh, in Tijuana. Uh, it was in the Mexico trip that um, for the first time I really put my faith in Jesus, uh, and, with, and uh, which is something that I've been working on for quite a while. Um, but uh, that was the time I really opened up myself uh, in a testimony and let everyone know that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I felt relieved and I felt empowered. 
I told my wife afterward, uh, after the Mexico trip, that uh, I had become a follower of Jesus. Um, uh, she wasn't so surprised. <laughs> uh, and she did ask me, it's like, were you sure? As I was, I was. And uh, I would like to keep uh, putting my children into uh, Timberlake Church where they can help. Uh, they will help them to learn uh, Bible as well and uh, to help them to know their faith. I'm learning still uh, more and more every day. Um, well, I really want to be uh, trying to be a good follower of Jesus Christ. Can we thank Liang for sharing his story? He was here Saturday night with his family. He said, thank you so much for allowing me to tell my story. And I want to say to you, many of you who've invested so much of your life, including your financial resources, thank you so much so that there can be story after story, week after week, person after person, that hope after hope can be expressed. And that's what really God does in us and through us when we open up our lives to Him, including this financial aspect uh, of our life. And so thank you for doing that. Maybe for you, uh, you haven't, you're like Liang. You say, I haven't opened up my heart to Jesus. And the first step is just receiving God's gift to you as He gives His very best to you that you say, God, I receive that. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every one of my friends who are here today. God, I pray uh, for those of us who are really on, at that inflection point, that decision point in our life. And, and if you have that want to in your heart, that want to is actually called faith. That God will take that, no, that want to no matter how big or small it is. And if you if you put your faith in Jesus, that he will meet you. It's not about him meeting you halfway. It's about him meeting you all the way. It's about him creating us in his goodness and his grace because he calls us daughters and sons of his. It's about him providing a way that we wouldn't be forgiven and free. That on our worst day, we can experience his very best as as he gave even his own life for us. It's about him becoming the leader and Lord of our life. And if that's your decision today, I'm not going to have you come forward or raise your hand or even say anything out loud, but you just, you just say something silently to God and you say, God, I want to do that today. I want you in my life. God, I, I want to know your presence. I want to know your joy. I want to know you. And I'm going to follow you. And the Bible says when we make that decision, that our, our, our spiritual reality has changed, and even our reality in this moment and in this place. The Bible says that there's a peace that passes all, under, all human understanding, knowing who we are in relationship with God and knowing His love and, and that He is working on our behalf. 
Maybe you're here today and you, you say, Ben, I've made that decision. And, and really this whole talk about uh, thriving financially is, is something that seems so distant. Seems like there's struggle and stress and argument and maybe even debt. And, and I want you to know that just as God would work to save you, to, to bring you into relationship with Him, that God, God is, wants to work with you and for you in this. It may not be an overnight miracle, but it'll be God leading you every step of the way. And God, for some of us, it's, it, it's getting on this journey of generosity. That's not sporadic, but it's intentional. And God, we, we want to give our best, especially this season, to you. God, I pray also for my friends who have worked so hard, have invested so deeply. God, that they would get the glimpse this side of heaven of what you're doing for eternity. Lord, we love you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. 